Hello everybody, welcome to Nintendo Power Black here on Bosch Rush Games. I'm your host, the Lightning Excited ADV. Joining me is the uh, Devastating Dungeoneer, Mr. David Naxby. Hello everybody. The Indie Insider himself, Mr. Dan Murphy. Hello from Ohio. Yes. Bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Also, hello from Ohio. And our special guest coming in, the, the black hater himself. You know, I still call him one of my deep black agents. The PC muscle racer himself, the gunner hunter, Mr. Deron Dawkins, host of Crossroads here on Watchers Games and on Exodus 803. What's poppin'? Hello, everybody. Welcome. We are back in the building. We are going to be talking about Muscle Hunter Stories 2 because the game has just dropped and I think we all have a love for it. So we're going to be uh, discussing that in our dark mode. But uh, before we get into that, how was everybody's weekend? Uh, Corey, how was your weekend? It was it was fine. My We threw a birthday party for my daughter. She's turning three on Tuesday. So uh we decided to throw the party the weekend before, and it was fun. It was a good time. Well, she got cool. a lot of a lot of toys, and now my house feels like a Toys R Us threw up in my living room. So <laughs> it's fine though. Uh, R.I.P. Toys R Us. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Dan, how was your weekend? My weekend was all right. It was uh, kind of just full of busy work. We got patio furniture, so we put that together. Uh, my dog got sick, so we had to bring him to the vet. Now he's wearing a cone. Um, <laughs> the cone of shame. The cone of shame. Um, cleaning out the garage. It was just like just home stuff all weekend. So nothing great, but you know, it was it was fine. Ah. David, how was your weekend? Uh, you know, like Dan, mine was pretty busy, but my my son is on a week long trip visiting extended family, so now there's a lot less attitude and volume around my house and it's been pretty great i've been enjoying the quiet and soaking it in he's he's, <laughs> he's 15 so you, you can kind of imagine uh the the difference there so I, i've been using the tv without any competition and uh it's been it's been great i've been living it up oh all right Laurent, how about you how was your weekend uh my weekend was my weekend was pretty good it was it was it was kind of it was kind of low key, but also exhausting at the same time. Um, I made the I made the wonderful mistake of doing like of hitting like a super hard workout Sunday morning, and then and then um, my um, my Facebook notifications reminded me that I had a birthday party to go to at one o'clock. So so yeah, so one of like, the few things Facebook's good for. Yeah, so <laughs> so basically so basically it was like the party didn't stop until I got home that night. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, it was a rough day. Like I was, I was so tired that I did not even get to play like the spotlight game that we're talking about tonight. Not last night. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I got to uh, meet up with my friend that I haven't got to see for two years uh, due to COVID and some other things, because uh, he ended up moving to Wisconsin um, and got another job, and he just had been busy and everything. Um, but Saturday, we actually went to another city that I'm close by, and we got to go to a dog vent where we seen a whole bunch of dogs, and uh, they were, like, doing the adoptions. Um, the police was out there explaining what they do with their dogs on how, you know, they stop criminals and things like that. Um, and then they had... How did you adopt? 
I do. I wish I could. <laughs> I I didn't get to adopt any because I really wanted a German Shepherd. Like I, that's. I know they are a messy kind of dog, but something about them just makes me like, please come into my hands. <laughs> but I did. I did get to uh, pet some that that was really cool. Uh, we got to see uh, uh, like the dogs that are running and they're jumping in the air, letting in the pool. So they're like um, trying to get their height on how they uh, how far they jumped and everything. And there was a dog called named Brody uh, from Cedar Rapids, not the Brody from Diggity Podcast, but shout out to him. And he did twenty three point four feet or inches <laughs> in the air. Like he flew, and I was just like, "Wow!" Um, but it was like really, really good and everything. So I kind of had that experience Saturday. Um, but yeah, that's that was my weekend, and of course, getting Master Hunter. That uh, I told, I think I told you, Leron, or I told you, Dan, um, that they shipped me my game. Uh, I got it on Friday, but I did it for instant pickup. But they actually shipped it. So when I got home from Best Buy, uh, you, like five minutes later, UPS pulled up and gave me my game. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, here. Um, didn't expect, didn't expect it because they did that with my uh, Scarlet Nexus too. I'm like, but they dropped my Scarlet Nexus like at 9 p.m. Two weeks, uh, a week after the game came out. I'm like, wow. So don't know what's going on with Best Buy, but yeah. Please don't do that with my Skyward Sword Friday because I need it at <laughs> I need it at 10 a.m. Wait, wait. So wait, wait. So when exactly did the delivery get to you? It got to me that Friday at uh at about 10:40. Okay, because um because I I used to work for UPS and if I'm not mistaken, like um like like same day delivery, like mm-hmm. typically typically like for in that fashion is usually there before 11. Yeah, but. The, when I ordered it, when I thought I asked you, like, should I get physical or digital? Mm-hmm. Um, when I ordered it, I did in-store pickup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I got that, but um, yeah, but the, but the fact that but, but the fact that they shipped it to you and they actually got it to you before noon—that's actually yeah. that's actually very that's very impressive. Yeah, I did. Like I told you, I didn't know they switched it. They they switched it to shipping to me that day uh, that I was supposed to go and get it that they Friday. Probably- they probably looked at they probably looked and saw who the order was for us. Like, nah, we don't want him up in our store. We'll just we'll just drop it <laughs> off at his, at his oh, they wel- oh, they welcome me because I have my I have my they know the money that I get that I give them. Just like, yes, come back in and get some more games. Yes. They know I don't play them at all. Like haven't hasn't this guy bought everything in the store already? I feel <laughs> I feel like I feel like when I feel like when you go to a Best Buy that's nearby Ed, like you know, like every game on the Nintendo Switch aisle is just gone. Like you can't find <laughs> you can't find anything. Like even if it's a game he already has, he'll just buy an extra six copies just for no reason. I mean, I do that for PlayStation and Xbox. So yeah, he buys every game for every console, even if he doubles up all the time. Well, before we get into Snack Tendo, got a quick plug, uh, and actually got to do uh, the housekeeping first. So let's get into the housekeeping. This is episode 253 of the Nintendo Power Block Podcast. Each and every week we come together to talk about games and everything we love about them with our friends. You can join us live on Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash Live and be a part of the conversation. But if you can't join us live, no big deal. You can head over to youtube.com slash and bossrushgames.com 
time to watch the show or listen on your podcast service of choice. Remember to subscribe, follow, rate, and review wherever you consume us. It helps us out with discoverability. And check out our family of shows wherever you listen to your podcast. Come join the Boss Network Discord. We have a ton of communities there that talk about games, entertainment, snacks, and more. And just a quick plug for everybody. Um... On Saturday, July 17th at 6.15 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, Grayson Morales of Game Red will be on a PAX West panel with Brendan Groom from Passive Controller, Lily Zaldivir, 6-1 Andy, Cameron Hawkins featuring IGN, Alana Pierce, Santa Monica Games, and Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny. Together, the six of them will come up with a list of the top 10 Nintendo games of all time. The games will range from the NES all the way to the Nintendo Switch. It's going to be a really fun show, so make sure to tune in. Um, I wanted to plug that because Grayson is a uh, great contributor to the Bosch family um, and on Power Block. Uh, so I just wanted to shout him out because he has some great things going on Saturday. And everybody, I will be on Video Games uh, Live or the Video Games Summit uh, doing a uh, quiz show with another Zelda podcast. I'll give more information out throughout the week for that. Uh, but it's time for a snack tendo. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Because hopefully Grayson, <laughs> hopefully Grayson's listening tonight. Like, uh, like Grayson, I love you, man. But if I, I would seriously knock you upside the head and steal your, steal your, uh, your press pass and everything just to hang out with Tim Geddes. <laughs> oh, those are Master Hunter words, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, everybody, once again, it's Snack Tendo. Corey, what have you been snacking on? Uh, just birthday party food, like cake and ice cream pretty much chocolate <laughs> cake it's a you know standard affair with some really delightful icing where to the point where my kid would just lick the icing off the cake and then just ask for more icing that, that's that's where we were this weekend so <laughs> <laughs> uh, buttercream yeah it was it was i gotta say it was good uh but what, does you not what do, do you do you are you guys like 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 I don't know. Like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say like Nazis, but um, I I, I should say like sticklers on mm. on sugar content with, with your with your children. Mm. I mean, not not really. She just doesn't really eat it a lot. You mm-hmm. know? Okay, so so it's not one of those situations where every time she sees sugar, she just goes ham. No, she dude, she'd rather. That's eat. just a kid thing. Any kid that sees sugar goes for it. Yeah, she'd rather eat a watermelon or yogurt or something than a cookie. <laughs> One of one of the funny things I learned about uh, learned about kids and like like childhood development and stuff like that is um is up until like the age of eight or nine, like like sugar is their number one source of energy. Like they it's like they it's like they thrive off it. Is there is batteries, you know? Whereas whereas once we get to a certain age, like you know, sugar like amps us for a moment and then we crash. Like children, like you know, they can they can eat sugar all the time and not be phased by it. <laughs> Uh, well, not well, not will not be phased by it the same way we are, because like I said, like we will, say. we'll be like we'll be like three slices of cake in, and we're like, man, I'm about to die. <laughs> I, that's what I'm gonna say. I must be a steal steal the kid, because they'd be like, hey, Eddie, how much sugar did you eat throughout the week? I'm like, mm. uh, go to the doctor and get your A1C checked out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> David, what have you been snacking on? 
So we, uh, we've been making some homemade Indian food this week. So I, I, I got it written down. Hopefully I pronounce this right. Alu gobi matar over turmeric spiced rice with a cumin lime sour cream. That was the latest mm. uh, dish that we oh, made. And man, that sounds good. Slice some like fresh uh, plums on the side to break up the, the spice. And it was, oh, it was so good. Nice. Good. Leron, what have you been snacking on? Uh, snacks is definitely what I brought to the table tonight because, uh, I've been, I've been working at a client's office for the past week and, uh, they've been, and they got these, uh, these pop tart bites. Um, oh and, yeah. And I, yeah, like, um, like I hear like it's a staple at Costco. I don't have members of Costco. So, you know, I'm obviously not living my life right because man, like, like they, they have the variety packs of these, this, this particular one right here is a strawberry one. And yes, I brought yeah. it home. Like I said, like. Like I've been in their office all week. <laughs> Eating it. <laughs> yeah, this uh, the the particular box that they had, the the case that they had was frosted strawberry, uh, the blueberry ones, and my and my personal favorite, the uh, the brown the brown sugar cinnamon ones. Yeah. So yeah, so like so yeah yeah like I I had to restrain myself because I knew I was coming on Pal Box tonight, so I at least wanted to show some. It's intact. <laughs> I haven't opened it yet, but this is but this is the last one. <laughs> We sell brown sugar cinnamon is the best for Hell sure. Hell yes. Hell yeah. We sell the green uh there was a yeah, the brown sugar one and the strawberry one. That's just a box by itself. Mm-hmm. Of, um I didn't know they had a variety pack. There's uh, a yeah, there there well, this this particular Costco, I guess, is like special or something because oh. all, all the time all the time I'm hearing about like some some off the wall stuff that you know like that you know like technically like both sam's club and costco should have like you know but they have opposites of and it seems like costco always has like the 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 way out there like premium ones you know and apparently like you know at this particular costco they have this variety pack where you look online and all they have like the the basic ones ah okay well dan what have you been snacking on so um i'm getting married next june and one of the funnest things about getting married is testing catering food. <laughs> so, we have gone to like different catering events and stuff. And we went to one last week and it was like the most amazing thing I've ever had. There was a pizza stand. There was a roast beef stand. There was a chicken with <laughs> crab meat top stand. Like Ooh. we just like ate like Kings and rolled out of there and they had open bar. So that was fun too. And then, um, so aside from that, I, there was this little restaurant. I moved to where I live now uh, last July. So it was like pretty peak COVID. Um, and this little bakery was closed down for a bit. And they just opened up again last weekend. And we went there. And I'm telling you, this is the best cannoli I've ever had in my life. I don't like cannolis that much. But mm-hmm. man, there was something about this one. It was amazing. I'm probably going to go back every weekend and get one. Nice. Well, uh, I uh, went shopping today, um, got some Adidas stuff, but while I was out, I always go to the Pepperidge Farms Outlet Mall, so I got some new Irish cream Milano's, um, really, really good, they just, it just came out, I talked to uh, Jack, um, Geek Bro, and I showed them, and man, they are really good, they literally taste like Irish cream, so, so good, and last but not least, um, I think Wendy's now has Pringles oh. spicy chicken. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, I saw those at the store the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're good, but you can't taste the chi- chicken. They're spicy, but you can't really taste the chicken. In, in the oh, but they're really good. 
Uh, and also, like, if you download the code that's on top of it, I think you're able to go get you a free chicken sandwich, spicy chicken. That's limited time. So, yeah. Ed, I got to add one thing to my snack tender really quick. I forgot. Yes. Uh, last week I wasn't on the show because I was out camping. Uh, one of the things that I bought before I went, I got they're, they're like marshmallow roasters with a like a cast iron box on the end of it. Um, that kind of closes up like a clamshell. So I made on the fire with some pizza dough, um, like from scratch pizza pockets over the the campfire. And it was so good. It was like one of the best things I've tasted in in a really long time. Like like just baked on the campfire pizza pockets. It was it was awesome. Nice. Awesome. I uh, actually. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say, quick shout out to Yamada Zero in the chat saying, um, speaking of Wendy's, they're finally coming back to the UK after 20 years. And he says the Baconator is coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a vegan omelet um, with cheese on top and a, and a croissant. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> Where did you have that, Ed? I had it at a family restaurant up in Wisconsin when I went to go see okay. my friend. Um, I ordered some. I ordered some fries, and they gave me some messed up hash browns. Like I don't know what they did. I was just like, this is a mess. I'll just do some ketchup on, ate it. But that that vegan omelet. Oh, I swear. Ooh, wait, 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 wait. What was the? What was the? It was an omelet. So what, what was the? What was the base product that made it the omelet? I'm curious. Probably just egg. That's like the like pretty nationally eaten yeah. egg substitute. Yeah. Oh, I never heard of it. Okay. Yeah. I wonder uh, what I, I wonder what it is. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Check it out. Just egg. Just egg. Just yeah. egg. If you're listening, you can find me at David Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> and this is officially a Just Egg Egg podcast. <laughs> we will happily be sponsored by Just Egg if you. Want <laughs> I was just like, ooh, Jesus was on the diet. This would be the me. Because it was good. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, not bad. It's only it, it's only two ingredients. Yeah, what I'm is not it? gonna. I, I no, I'm not gonna say it because I, I'm not gonna say it live on the on the podcast. Everybody like, just can, zoom uh, into Laurent's screen. Like that. Like after that's like, the paid content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Because because uh, I guarantee you if I if I if I if I say what the actual protein source is, it will turn a lot of people off. But yeah. I I live with uh, I live that with Asian people, like, so that doesn't sound great. <laughs> but I live I live with that Asian sounds like it comes out of a part of a body that nobody wants to have a part of. <laughs> All right, we should move on before we lose our sponsorships. So. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, quick shout out to uh, uh, is it Seamus or Seamus? Because the gamer. Seamus. Um, he posted Brad's uh, Bucks County, USA, Crunchy Kale Vampire Killer. That looks really good. Artisan 415, Real Hawaiian Shaved Ice. And he uh, has some fresh honeycomb, which looks amazing. Shout out to Shay Kelly uh, from another Zelda podcast and a writer for Boss Rush Gays. He's part of the Boss Rush writing uh, team. Um, and he just send out uh, a plate of meats, uh, crackers, and cheese. He's, he got it all set up and definitely had a, a grilling outside um, for the Boss Rush podcast. So shout out to you, Shay. For you fancy people out there, it's a charcuterie board. <laughs> for you fancy people out there, you know. Mm. You know, I typically, I typically, I don't do the wine. I, I usually do a cider. 
Uh, well, he just yeah, he just only did the pen uh, and had no drinks with it. That that I know. Uh, shout out to Stephanie with some barbecue sauce that she is having with her brisket. Um, looks really really good. And then Blum's coffee crumb cake. So shout out to all mm-hmm. you guys. Continue to send our your snacks uh, picks uh, on our Discord for Snack Tendo. Um, and hit us up on Twitter at uh, Pod Block Podcast uh, with your snacks. Um, Yes. So we're going to get it to Gang Fact Affairs. David, take it away. All right. Thanks, Ed. So as we prepare for the Switch OLED, I thought it would be fun to think back to a simpler time when a screen upgrade meant big changes to the gaming experience. So the Game Boy Color is a handheld game console manufactured by Nintendo, which was released in Japan on October 21st, 1998, and to international markets that November. Its successor to the original Game Boy and is part of the Game Boy family. The Game Boy Color features a color screen rather than a monochrome, but it is not backlit. It was slightly thicker and taller and features a slightly smaller screen than the Game Boy Pocket, its immediate predecessor in the Game Boy line. As with the original Game Boy, it has a custom 8-bit processor made by Sharp that is considered a hybrid between the Intel 8080 and the uh, Z-Log Z80. Development for the Game Boy Color began in 1996 when Nintendo received requests from game developers for a more sophisticated handheld platform uh, who said that even the latest iteration of the original system, the Game Boy Pocket, had insufficient hardware. Nintendo developed the console concurrently with its successor, the Game Boy Advance, which was codenamed Atlantis at the time. The resultant product was backward compatible with existing Game Boy software and a first for handheld systems, allowing each new Game Boy family launch to begin with a significantly larger game library than its competitors. And this connects to one of my all-time favorite additions and modifications to a game. Uh, The Color Dungeon is a dungeon in Link's Awakening DX. It was initially added to Link's Awakening DX to showcase the use of the Game Boy Color screen to enhance gameplay. Finishing the dungeon, which had numerous color-based puzzles, granted players the choice between powered-up armor and powered-up sword attacks. So I just thought that was kind of interesting because um, it actually relates in some ways to what Nintendo is doing with the OLED Switch. Uh, This idea uh, that it's just an additional feature while still being backward compatible. Uh, That's something that Nintendo famously did with all its DS systems, but really actually went back to the early Game Boy experience. And it does make me wonder a little bit um, if they will do any programming perks with games designed for the OLED switch, just like they did uh, for Link's Awakening DX. So um, anyway, what do you guys think of that? Uh, uh, well, first I got to uh, give a shout out to Leron because last week on Crossroads, he mentioned Gunpei Yokoi, who is the creator of um, the Game Boy. So shout out to you, Leron, for that. Um, I really think this is so cool to learn. I did, That's just facts that I didn't uh, even think about. Uh, when it comes to the Game Boy, because my thing was like when I got my Game Boy Color, it was in a purple, the clear purple, and I was just happy to have that and see that and, and just see it. Um, but that's a, an interesting fact. I yes, I love that. That's cool. And I I didn't realize that it was actually developed concurrently with the Game Boy Advance, which is sort it's sort of interesting to me. Exactly, because yeah, because yeah, I think it was what about. Two years later that it came out, Game Boy Advance, I think. Uh, I, I think don't it was remember three. the release date. I think it was three. 
three. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The Game Boy Color. I feel like the Game Boy Color was old as dirt by the time the Game Boy Advance came out. No. Yeah, it, I thought it so just, too. It just felt old because it was still an eight bit console. Huh. Yeah. Because I I remember getting a Game Boy Color and never getting a Game Boy Advance. I don't know why I would choose the Color over the Advance. I was also seven. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I remember getting my Game Boy Color and like probably like a month after I got it. I was over at my grandma's house and my cousin got in the car and she was really mad and she slammed some like magazine rack down on it and like there's a scratch oh. on the front of the screen. It made me oh. really upset. I was really upset. Uh, yeah. I think me and you, Corey, we had the game Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo before the Game Boy event. Oh, I game love that. Yeah, I don't, I don't so have great. a Super Game Boy. I thought you had one. Uh-uh. Or was it just the Game Boy Advance for the GameCube? I had the Game Boy Player for the GameCube. Uh, okay. So. Uh, I know. I know. We're not. This isn't really like a discussion segment. But I was just curious. Do you think it's possible to do any sort of extra features with games for the OLED Switch in the way that Link's Awakening did with the Color Dungeon, or is that really a relic of the past? I I think it's really just a relic, just because like that, just the addition of color really changes. Mm-hmm. Ev- like. Yeah. It changes so much, right? I mean, you look at you look at Link of the Past on Game Boy, and then you look at it on Game Boy Color. It's just like a total. It looks like a brand new game. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. As someone yeah, who like, owns both versions of that game. Yeah, like basically, basically OLED is more is just more more color density and vibrancy in, on on the screen. So I mean, like, like I mean, like the the. the if if it if it works the way it's supposed to, like every Nintendo Switch game, even whether it's old or new, they're just gonna pop because it's gonna be so vibrant, you know, on this on the screen and stuff. And like when the screen gets black, it's going to get dark. Like it, it's gonna look like you're looking into the void when screens fade to black and stuff. When the when the scenes fade to black and all that stuff. So yeah, um, I mean, I mean, for what <laughs> it's worth, oh, wait, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, an actual we discussion. are yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good segue into our discussion. Yeah, so everybody. <laughs> I'm so ready for the segment right now. It's time for Femi News. Yes. <laughs> David, once again, take it away. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to bleed right into our next segment there. I just, uh, I, I find that whole era in gaming so fascinating. So, from the past to the present here, Nintendo announces Switch OLED model. So, this uh, here is from uh, Mad Pharmacist 10112 or our own Stephanie at BossRushGames.com. Quote, as the dust settles from E3 and in typical Nintendo fashion, a major announcement dropped on Nintendo of America's Twitter account. A brand new OLED model for the Switch will be released in October. The 237-minute trailer features a sleek black and white Nintendo Switch and people playing highly anticipated games such as Metroid Dread, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, and much more. Here's what the trailer officially tells us. It will be a 7-inch OLED screen, wide adjustable stand, enhanced audio, wired LAN port, and it will be available October 8th. Nintendo confirmed that people will be able to purchase the newly redesigned dock separately if they wish. The catch is that the dock-only option will be exclusive through their website. This means that while this option will be possible, other retailers won't have access. The new dock, of course, features a wired LAN port and improved ventilation. So for our consideration panel, obviously, we had a live reaction show here on Boss Rush this week. But for our listeners that didn't catch it, as well as for those on our panel who didn't have a chance to react, 
What are your thoughts on this announcement? And what do you think of the availability of the improved dock? So, Laurent, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this? Okay. Uh, first, I have a question for the Nintendo people on the panel tonight. Uh, did we get oh, any more? Did we get any more spe- uh, specifications about the dock, uh, particularly? Well, this every, dock- everything inside the units is exactly the same. So the so the new dock will work with the existing switch systems. Yes, that are out every, now? all the accessories work are forward and backward compatible. Okay. I guess if you want Great. to call it that. Great. Okay. So my thoughts on the OLED on OLED switch. Okay. So as a person who is a gamer and also like I've been I've been being hounded to start the PC side of uh for Boss Rush, uh, the the OLED switch is nice. It's 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 exciting and things like that. But I was a little underwhelmed. I was a little underwhelmed because like uh, currently the switch is hitting five. Uh, wait, it's five years old right now. So it'll be it'll be six years old soon. Um. Wait, what? It's four. 2017. It's four? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. But anyway, basically what I'm saying is, like, you know, like, looking into things and stuff like that, like, there's been a big push from from developers and and publishers to, like, put a little more oomph into into the Switch hardware. And we were kind of hoping that this would be this. Now, this would be that, that iteration. It would be more like the updates, you know, apparently, because, like... PlayStation's had those updates, like we went from the PS4 to PS4 Pro. Microsoft uh, had had a similar update, things like that. So we kind of thought that Nintendo was catching on to the trend. At least when I say we, like people like me, you know. Um, but so my main my main thing is like you know like I really wish that the you know that the system itself could have had like just a, I understand if like the the new chips aren't ready, the new Tegra chips from Nvidia aren't ready or whatnot, but I feel like they could have done something to just boost the hardware profile a little bit more because we have certain games that are developed by in-house Nintendo companies that do not perform prop you know good enough on the switch and that's that's a bottleneck for people like me like there's there, I would mm-hmm. argue that. Their flagship title for the Switch, Breath of the Wild, does not run great. Once you get into like a, when you set the field on fire and there's guardians around and things flying around and you know what I mean, like that that, yeah. that game. I mean, granted that you game know, was developed you know. that game was developed for the Wii U first and they did some porting magic with that, right? But like, still that and I think Xenoblade Chronicles Two is another kind of major offender. I was just going to say anything Monolove Soft is like <laughs> running pretty rough yeah. on yeah. Switch right now. Here's yeah. here's the one thing I will say. I am not saying I'm not saying that Nintendo needs to like gut the whole thing and start all over, no. but the simplest but the simplest thing they could have done was just like double the RAM yeah. in the system. If they had doubled the RAM in the system, games like it I I would have immediately run out and bought a, a copy of uh, Hyrule Warriors, <laughs> just waiting for this new system to show up. You know, I would have immediately gone out. But you know, like you know, if it's still you know, but right now, like you know, I understand. Like I'm not really going to bog down everybody with, with tech and stuff. Uh, uh, four gigs of four gigs of RAM in this day and age is a freaking is a freaking nightmare. Like like computers don't even Windows barely runs on four gigs of RAM <laughs> on your computers. You know, stuff like that. So it was one of those things where it's like I, that was the that's one of the easiest things that could have fixed. Probably easier than adding more capacity to the actual internal storage mm-hmm. yeah but um, overall but, oh, but beyond but beyond that like i mean you know like it looks nice i i, I might get it just because <laughs> i might get it just because that, it's, that a, it's a white system i, oh my, I, I might get it i feel like you're gonna get that air metroid dread no, well i've already i've already pre-ordered, i've already pre-ordered yeah. dread are, are you doing physical or uh, I'm getting digital. I'm getting digital. digital. Okay. All right, guys, I'm, let, let I'm, get... 
let me get Dan in here on this because maybe from like the other end of the perspective, Dan, you're somebody that travels a lot for work, like like right now. Um, what did this OLED switch mean to you when you saw that? I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think people are uh, underestimating how good an OLED screen is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking forward to playing Monster Hunter stories on this with the art direction and the colors and just so excited to see it pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it looks cool. I, I I know that we were laughing about the um, the the storage just being a little bit more, but I'm I'm happy about that because I do download a lot of my games digitally, um, and it's getting kind of annoying to just like swap them out. It's it's total first world problem. But um, I, you know, my I have a launch day switch too, and mm-hmm. with how much I play in handheld mode. Um, I, I'm really excited to get something new, so I'm going to hold out for this and it's not for everybody, but it's also not made for people to switch, you know, change their console, right? Like we probably will get that full revision of a dock in a year or so when we Mm -hmm. see games like breath of the wild Two, Metroid prime Four, Bayo three, like when we see these games come out, we're probably going to get that dock revision. But for now, like. You don't have to buy it if you don't want it, but for people that play mostly ex- exclusive in handheld mode, these are some pretty significant upgrades, and I, I'm looking forward to it. The extra 50 bucks is whatever. I mean, for <laughs> that storage on a card, you're going to pay 50 bucks right. anyway. So, yeah. um, but like the OLED screen is real is going to be really cool and i'm i'm excited to revisit some games too and that like breath of the wild is going to be really fun in an oled screen Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think it was you dan a few weeks back that was talking about this idea that nintendo could adopt the you know the ds model or the cell phone model in terms of putting out switches and I, i think you're probably right that we will see maybe a powered up switch six months to a year down the line uh Corey, i want to get you in on this and then ed we'll finish with you what are your thoughts on this and particularly the idea of selling that dock separately is that anything that uh is significant to you uh yeah i mean i the original switch had they sold the dock separately with that too and i actually bought a couple uh because well you know i <laughs> i have three tvs i would like to play my switch on one in the bedroom one in my office and one in the uh in the living room so uh, I always thought that was a good idea, except I always thought the dock was really pricey. That original dock was $90, uh, which was like, man, I didn't pay that for mine. But uh, it was like it, it, they were on sale on Amazon for like 40 at one point. I'm like, well, I'm gonna just going to snatch them up before they're not there anymore. Because now if you want to find an extra dock, LeBron will tell you it's like mm-hmm. it's it's, it's like almost impossible. Tea. Yeah, uh, I've been trying to find one for months. Just yeah. so I don't well, have to like carry yeah. one from upstairs to downstairs. <laughs> I'm that lazy, but yeah, I, uh, it's impossible. But, I, but we I, know why they discontinued him now, right? Like yeah, they discontinued right. him because they were prepping for this. But yeah. but go ahead, Corey. I I was just gonna say like I you can hear my full thoughts with Jacob on on we did a reaction video to the the trailer. But uh, as someone who has a day one switch and uh, you know has kids who like to throw things, uh, this is like. Yeah, okay, people are upset it's not 4K, it's not more powerful, whatever. But an OLED screen is going to be really nice. Uh, just a, a, a bigger battery for me, too, you know, from that day one switch. Because that day one switch, people might remember, it has a two- to five-hour battery life, depending on what you're playing. And that's that's being nice, right? Like Breath of the Wild, 
would eat your Switch's battery. Yeah, about Dude, if I an play Fire Emblem, it dies in 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so that's nice. Uh, I think the new kickstand is is a really nice feature. I know that's kind of under kind of understated, but like I took my Switch on a plane a couple years ago and had that kickstand out, and I got I got to tell you, it was like the worst thing trying to keep that thing standing up and just having it, you know. <laughs> all the way across. I I just think there's a lot of small quality of life changes to this to where it's time to up upgrade. You know, I don't need my switch to be 4k. Would it be nice? Of course it would. Right. We all, uh, you know, most of us have a PS five or an Xbox series X now, and we see the quality of life changes, just a more powerful system can bring to older games, let alone new games. Uh, that would be nice, and I guarantee you we'll probably get one in the next 18 months or so. Uh, but for now, the, I think this is a nice upgrade. And to go back to the Game Fact Advance that we just did, right? Nintendo is always iterating, always mm-hmm. iterating. And like a, another thing on that is like the N64 went through like five or six different models. You just didn't know it because the outside looked the same. The same. And we were all too young to even care about any of that crap, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Ed, I'm excited. I'll be I'll be picking one up as soon as I can probably find one because scalpers are already selling their pre-orders that don't exist yet. <laughs> insane. Ed, oh, take man. us home on this. So I I squealed. I got happy. I said yes. I uh, twirled in the air <laughs> um, seeing <laughs> this because I I finally it happened. Um, I know we talked. We I know I got on Dan about writing a piece about me on how how right <laughs> I am and stuff. But they didn't show that E three, and I know a lot of people was believing a lot of the rumors that everybody was spreading about, but it didn't come true. A lot of people are upset that this is pretty much not a one uh, Xbox One X kind of system like this is nintendo they're not going to do all of that if they're going to do all of that they're doing a full new system it's not going to be the name it's not going to be under the switch name it's going to be a whole brand new system if they're going to do something different um this dropping on the day of metroid dread this is really going to push the sales of metroid and the system for people saying that see the bundle packs you think you think they made it you think they made it white on purpose and they're re-releasing the neon on purpose you think they you think they designed Samus and these Emmy robots around the design of this new console? I you no, know what, they don't like I Metroid think so. Enough. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say they, <laughs> they don't they don't they don't appreciate Metroid that much. It's, I, I think it's so, too well, much of a coincidence though. I know it's, we gotta move it's, on. I can yeah, see David's it's, face. It's, we gotta move it's on. It's coincidental, but because <laughs> I want to okay, see but, it. But how slick does that new white dock and joy console? Yeah, yes. I want to see the I'm just gonna. I'm probably just gonna go buy the white Joy Cons because I, I mean I have I have not a, selling I have them like, separately. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Huh? All right, Nintendo. Nintendo is not getting no more money from me. <laughs> I want to see that. All right. I want to see the white Pro controller for the system. Yeah, um, they won't give you that I, either. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna move it on here. So Ed, you'll you'll appreciate this story. Yep, Nintendo is teaming up with Edible for Mario Kart snack gifts. That's right. This is from Thomas Whitehead over at NintendoLife.com. Nintendo of America seems to be on a quest to team up with various food products and services in recent months because people like to eat and also like to play games. In any case, a new partnership has been born with Edible, serving up some rather tenuous ties to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 
For those unaware, Edible is a company that specializes in snacks and treats that are presented almost like a bouquet of flowers. The specialty is preserved fruits of various kinds covered in chocolate, sugars, and swizzle with presentation to suit occasions. There's also a planned giveaway and sweepstakes of Nintendo Switch systems with a copy of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, though at the moment, the link simply points to the website's page for theme packages. So by all means, browse the full range. Each purchase apparently comes with 100 platinum points for Nintendo 2 at random. And this is from the official Nintendo press release. With the new Nintendo and Edible partnership, you'll be able to gift friends and loved ones with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe-inspired surprises beginning July 12 in the U.S. and Canada. For game night to date night to birthdays and back-to-school bashes, get ready to deliver some turbocharged smiles. Let the people in your life know you're thinking of them with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe-themed treats and Super Mario balloons. If you'd like to come to someone's birthday and feel extra festive the cookie and fruit power-up birthday bundle features dipped fresh fruits pineapple stars cookie sandwiches and super mario themed birthday balloons all right snack tendo friends is this marketing gold or more like a fake item box also what do you make of the decision to feature mario kart in the marketing collaboration ed you know we got to start with you uh I, what do you think of this i love this i think it's it's as big as Mario Kart is, and as big as Nintendo snack, uh, Nintendo is having some snacks to game, whether it's healthy or not healthy, depending on who you are. I think this is a great business move for Nintendo and edibles, um, to get out to people to be like, hey, you know, kids love this game and they might love this company, so let's give them some snacks out. Um, of course, adults gonna be buying it because they love. Some adults love Nintendo and love the Mario Kart series. So I, I hope they do even do more than just Mario Kart. Like do Mario Golf or, you know, do uh, Captain Toe or something. Uh, do a Legend of Zelda um, kind of uh, snack thing with edibles. Snack like, okay. I, yeah, like I, I will. I'm so down for this. I'm probably gonna look up online and probably order me some snacks. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not ordering you no snacks, but I gotta order me some. LeBron knows that if I send snacks, I do not play when I send snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, LeBron. I was just going to ask you, this This seems like something that's so on brand for Nintendo. Could we ever see something like this from PlayStation, or is this just uh, part of the Nintendo deal? What do, you, what do you think of this? I feel like I feel like this is definitely a uniquely Nintendo thing. Uh, not saying that not saying that you know like Sony or Microsoft wouldn't jump on this. I mean, hell, like like Microsoft is getting ready to drop a whole fridge on everybody. You know? Microsoft has <laughs> Microsoft have body wash in uh in deodorant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd, so yeah, it's always it's 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 always a possibility out there. Like I, I will say this, uh, mm. as far as as far as the branding goes, this is this is genius. I mean, like I'm not I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna be raking in the dough and like you know have like a new avenue like for all their shareholders to retire on, but this is gonna have a nice little bump. It's gonna be mm. really buzzworthy. People are gonna talk about it for a while. People are gonna like partake in it and stuff like that. So I'm curious now. Me personally, I'm not saying I would like run out after this. I mean, you know, like <laughs> it's I you you know me. Sometimes like the really the really cutesy stuff, like you you got to really work to get me on it. But, but I mean, <laughs> I, I I I can respect this and I I dig it. And you know, I'm a foodie too. So you know, like if I'm at someone's party and I see the Mario Kart stuff, I'm like, okay, I let head me go, over. Let me go get a little plate. <laughs> I, uh, Corey, 
I want to see what box it comes in. Like if they got yeah. like, yeah, you know, the check, check out the pictures. Probably... The pictures are awesome. I got they two. I got two this. free marketing ideas for Sony if they're listening. By the way, <laughs> so, oh, your... Sa- Sack Boy, just call him Snack Boy. <laughs> Snack Boy's <a> big adventure, <laughs> and uh, Ghost of Sushi Sushi Ma. <laughs> you, know, no. you know, here's no. here's here's my thing. Why did Microsoft jump on this whole pinata thing when Viva Pinata was like the everybody, thing? I still don't understand why that's not a free to play game with a season with a, ba- a Fortnite style battle pass. I don't understand. Anyways, sorry. Uh Corey, I wanted to ask you really quickly though, what do you think of their choice to make Mario Kart uh eight deluxe the, the featured pairing here? It just I feel like there's so many ways that Nintendo and Edible mm-hmm. could have gone with this. That's just you know, I guess it is the best-selling game of all time on Switch, right? one out of every two people own Mario Kart 8 and know what Mario Kart is, and it's just an easy mm. thing. Like, I mean, I guess, like, Animal Crossing probably could have worked, too. That's with the one like, I was going to say. With, like, Animal yeah. Crackers or something, something something stupid like that. But, like, I don't know. I, I just think Mario and Mario Kart are so big and so broad. It's such a broad appeal because even though Animal Crossing sold, like, 32 million units or whatever, like... M- the average person will know Mario before they hear Animal Crossing, right? So mm-hmm. it just it just makes sense, I think. Uh, so Animal Crossing definitely was the one that that stood out to me, and with like a I don't know like a snack charcuterie do it yourself, <laughs> uh, you know DIY like package or something. It just seems like that was kind of an opportunity there. But I think you're right about the name brand recognition for Mario and the fact mm-hmm. that Mario Kart is such a high selling game. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next story here. So Monolith Soft profit increased by 138.2% thanks to Xenoblade Chronicles. This is from Sato over at NintendoEnthusiast.com. Monolith Soft has seen a steady increase in profit over the past few years, but uh, last fiscal year was one of the record one for the record books with Xenoblade Chronicles developers. According to a published report from uh, Kanpo, official Japanese government gazette, Monolith Soft's profit for the fiscal year ended March 2021 with a whopping 1.17 billion yen, or approximately $10.67 million, for an increase of 138.2% over the previous fiscal year. The Xenoblade series developer saw a 78.8% increase in profit during the previous fiscal year, ended in March 2020, with a profit final profit of 491 million yen, or roughly 4.5 million with inflation. During this period, Monolith Soft worked on the development of Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition and assisted on Animal Crossing New Horizons for its parent company, Nintendo. With While the sales were up, Monolith Soft specifically mentioned Xenoblade Chronicles as the driving force behind the record profit. Keep in mind that the remaster sold an impressive 1.32 million units in its first month. So, for your consideration panel, is Nintendo taking notice of this? Could we finally see Xenoblade Chronicles X coming to Switch? And why do you think this game has had such staying power in terms of success? There's no shortage of JRPGs. So, uh, Corey, let's get you in on this first. What do you think? I think I think Xenoblade, the Xenoblade franchise, has the biggest potential to grow, and I feel like it's finally hitting its stride, right? Like, I feel like everybody's finally appreciating what that first game did. You know, I know a lot of people wanted it on Wii when it came out and they ported it. It sold fine over here. Uh, it was a GameStop exclusive pre-order thing. Uh, you know, and they ported it to 3DS, but that wasn't exactly the way you wanted to play that game, right? You want to play that big sprawling JRPG on your TV. Uh, 
Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was great, uh, but that first game is still like something unique and special. I feel like a little dated at this point, but like still really fun and unique. And uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X is the game that I think people are waiting on. It does a lot of unique things. The game changes like three separate times, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. the first 30 hours are just like a typical JRPG. And then you get a mech and you upgrade your mech. And then 70 hours in, you get to fly and fight dragons and sky monsters. And then after like 110 hours, it changes again. Like it's, it's just this crazy, huge sprawling game. And I think Xenoblade has four or, uh, Monolith Soft has four teams, right? They have their the team that's helping with Zelda. They have the team that did the the remaster of of Chronicles One, uh, which is now presumably working on a new project. Uh, hopefully, it's three. Um, and they have a team working on Breath of the Wild. Now, there's a fourth team that is presumably working on their new IP, Ed, which we talked about about two years ago. Uh, yeah, that, they released that one piece of concept art of this big sprawling kind of wasteland with with a little river and a girl with a girl with red hair and a sword like i don't know if that's going to be xenoblade 3 or not but like monolith soft has the biggest potential to grow and i think nintendo knows it and Mm -hmm. uh i think you're going to see big things from monolith soft and then as early as next year i'm going to say ed you've been nodding a lot as Corey was talking what do you what do you think about this uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, and Xenoblade Chronicles X is one of the most baffling games on Wii U, not in a bad way. How did they get the expensive world running like this on this system? Like people were just trying to figure out this shouldn't be running at all. Well, you remember, is. remember they had the whole game on that on the disc, and yeah. then and then you could download a seventeen gig uh Patch. texture pack which made the game exponentially better looking it ran a little bit better it gave it like it just it it was almost like when you put the expansion pack into your n64 like it Mm. changed it changed games that much like that game is an insane just technological feat on the on the wii u and and not only that did it look that good on your tv but they also had stuff going on on the tablet it was one of the few games that actually utilized Mm -hmm. the tablet which i think is why we haven't seen it yet right uh Mm. which don't get me wrong they they do have games that were on the wii u that they put the tablet on like the select button like tokyo mirage sessions did it yeah um mario 3d world did it uh where there was things that you had to do on the tablet that i actually implemented into the console but like there was so much going on. It's almost like a zombie U situation where like the game actually might be worse if you ported it because of all the on the on the tablet. Yeah. Yeah. The with the zombie U one, uh when it came to Xbox and Playstation, yeah, they said play it on Wii U because they were just like it loses that appeal to it. Um I think it's definitely because of Smash Brothers. After mm-hmm. that DLC, I was wondering about that. After mm-hmm. that DLC happened, they they just like people was just like I need to find Xenoblade Chronicles two physical. And, like people were going out to find the physical over the digital. Some people were buying it, but it was just like oh we need to find the physical version of this because you couldn't find it anywhere. Let me yeah. let um, me tell you, as someone who recently replaced their physical copy of Xenoblade Chronicles two, that was not cheap. 
<laughs> yes. And with with Zena with Zena Blade Chronicles after they did the rainfall uh kind of petition that actually worked. I meant to mention that to you, Lara. Uh, that was the only game petition that actually worked was the rainfall uh, to get uh Zena Blade Chronicles to the to America. Mm-hmm. Nintendo seeing that because it was so. I think within a weekend, all the pre-orders were sold out for that game. And so when, like, when it came out and people got it, GameStop was trying to offer people, "Have you traded in here sixty dollars?" And they was going to try to resell it for eighty bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, Laurent, I, I got to get you in on this as somebody that I know that you like JRPGs. What is it about Xenoblade Chronicles that has had such staying power um, in a world full of JRPGs? Well, number one, I feel like. It, it's it's history. Like we, okay, so making it a GameStop exclusive was probably the first misstep in like this game's history, because like you immediately like you you immediately narrowed like the options of where people could get them at, and there was also like a there was there was also like a, a like a like a like a distributing nightmare with that because there was supposed to be like so many available copies that people would have been guaranteed for the pre-orders and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it wound up getting very 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 condensed or shortened and stuff like that. Yeah, if was, you it remember was a, though. Nintendo- Nintendo had a huge relationship with GameStop during the Wii era, right? They had oh, the Metroid yeah. Prime Trilogy uh, Steelbook collection there. They mm-hmm. had uh, a lot of kind of weird bundles for a 3DS and DS and stuff. Like there was that was like a weird yeah. relationship that I didn't really understand at the time. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the, uh, so like basically like the the whole story of Xenoblade Chronicles, whether it's the original game or all of its iterations and sequels uh, thus far, it's honestly like it's honestly like the to use a football analogy is lo- is like watching the story of Rudy. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, because basically like this is this Xenoblade Chronicles is just something that you you can't contain it, and I'm and you know I enjoy it. Like I I actually bought the 3DS version when it came out because mm-hmm. um because I was one of those jaded gamers that was pissed off that you know I couldn't get a copy of it when when I when I had my my Wii back in the glorious days you know <laughs> but um but you know like it's one of those things where I played it and ultimately like I was like I got my fill of it but I haven't actually gotten any other iterations but this game. When you have a when you have a JRPG that finds its that finds its niche audience like that, it just runs. Like look at look at games like Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter was like one of the mm-hmm. most misunderstood games like back in two thousand four, and look at it now. Like it's like it's it's outselling Resident Evil and and, and Street Fighter. <laughs> like I, like I told Lebron, like Monster Hunter four, or the Monster Hunter on three DS when it came out, it sold huge. It went from, and no disrespect to the Monster Hunter franchise, but it went to nobody really knowing or talking about it to everybody to like actually, wanting this. Actually, game. let actually let me correct you. Let me correct you on that because like it's so <laughs> like like the like the highest selling version of it on the PSP sold five mm-hmm. million units. So like the shift to 3DS wasn't wasn't that drastic, but it was noticeable because more people had 3D. Oh well, more people had D, uh, DSs and 3DSs by that point. But I should say America then, because uh, I know it was big in Japan. Um, but like like when it came to 3DS, even Americans wanted the Monster Hunter series. Because besides talking to you, Lebron, didn't nobody talk about the Monster Hunter series. So that's how Xenoblade was. You know, look at just the the Xenoblade the Xeno Saga games. And how those Wait, games is this, came out. Is this actually related to Yep, Xeno Xeno Gear, Xeno Saga, and Xenoblade are all See, it's the same developer, but like Sony owns the rights to Xeno uh Xeno Gears. Gears. 
Gears, uh, okay. Namco, Namco Bandai owns Namco Saga. owns Sa- Xeno Saga. Saga. So the way uh-huh. they're connecting the game is the Xeno mm-hmm. name, but they're changing. You know, they're all sort of connected in this weird mm-hmm. amalgamation of things, but they can't really say they're connected because of the rights issues. But yeah. Okay. okay. I never knew that. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I knew that I knew that Xeno Saga was was loosely tied to Xeno Gears because Xeno Gears is like one of my favorite like RPGs on there's, the PS1. Yeah, see Xeno Saga is like one of my favorite. That's why that's why Cosmos is a is a character in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Oh yeah. So Yeah. There's a video on YouTube that's plays all about it, and that's why Nintendo ended up buying them uh for that. So all right, I'm gonna have to watch that then, because that's that's I I'm just finishing up yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles now, and I I, I happened to buy Xenoblade uh, Chronicles two about a month before the Smash announcement, oh. so I like timed that so perfectly. Well, so I got well, that yeah, wait so, for me. So, well, last thing, David, the box art for Xenoblade Chronicles X is still one of the best. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness, and I can't. I hope it comes to Switch, and I see that same box art. It's amazing. So Ed, your 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 purpose here tonight is to send us the link and also make sure the Twitch uh, the Twitch uh, stream gets the link too, so they can see it too. I will. All do right. This. All right, guys. Well, moving on to other retro games here. Uh, our final story today: retro games selling for outrageous prices. So, a pair of retro games have sold for an eye popping sales prices this week. Both coming off the heels. Oh. Hold up just a minute. We uh, For our people watching here, we got uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles X being held up by Corey there, the cover art. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, all right. Uh, so eye-popping prices. So we had a pair of them sell this week, uh, both of which came off the heels of the original Legend of Zelda game selling for $870,000, which we did discuss on the show last week. This time, a sealed copy of Super Mario 64 has sold at an auction for $1.5 million, momentarily breaking the record held by the sale of the original Zelda cartridge. However, according to Dub Dragon Dojo on Twitter, a sealed copy of Double Dragon 2 for the Nintendo Entertainment System has just sold for $2.6 million, which would again shatter the all-time record for retro game sales. So for consideration, what is going on here? Is this a result of generations of gamers finally being old enough to have purchasing power, or is it something more? Is this further proof that video games have achieved work of art status? Uh, Laurent, I'm going to start with you on this. What do you think? Uh, what's the reason for these sales? First, first of all, who in their right mind spent $2.6 million for Double Dragon 2? Like you either you either spend that money on Double Dragon One or Double Dragon Three. Like we, I'm I'm of that age of gamers. I'm trying to forget that DD Two existed. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I do believe this is a situation where it's one of those one of those like we if we have the power to purchase it, like we're gonna do it and stuff like that. I'm not saying I I may have spent one and a half million on Mario 64, and and I'm really embellishing that because like I'm I'm one of those people those auctions. As soon as it gets too rich for my blood, I'm putting my fan down. (laughs) 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 But I mean, I I get it, you know. Like some some people just want the notoriety and you know like you know like that that piece of it and things like that. And I I respect that, but God, like like millions of. I, I I really hope I I really hope it works out. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, Corey, you know we would we be as shocked if someone were to drop this kind of money at an auction for you know 
a, a famous painting, you know, a Rembrandt, uh, you know, like it just does this seem to suggest that video games are reaching that iconic art status or, or what do you think here about that? I mean, I think it's a little bit of nostalgia playing a big play. I think it's a little bit of, you know, people realizing that video games are important and like, you know, the way that a, uh, a major piece of art is, uh, I, you know, I, I was joking with my wife. I'm like, man, I should really reconsider getting rid of my Nintendo 64 collection because <laughs> I'm sitting on a gold mine. We could probably pay for a house <laughs> at some point uh, because my entire Nintendo 64 collection, except for maybe like five games, are complete in box. Uh, mm. And I, I was actually looking up the Majora's Mask box last week because it's like one of the only games I don't have complete in box and it, the box alone is like $90. I'm like, Ooh, boy, for a piece of piece of uh, mm-hmm. cardboard, that seems uh, a little steep, but it, it's uh, I think it's good. I think it's good that people are recognized fi- like it seems like people are finally recognizing that this industry is not just for dude bros who sit in their basement and drink Mountain Dew or beer or Red Bull and Doritos, you know, and like, yeah, I don't know. There's still the stigma, at least around here, there's still the stigma of that. Right. But like, I think that stigma is becoming less and less and things like this are just kind of proving that, Oh, well, these games are important, not only just to gaming, but to the history of, of, Mm-hmm. of entertainment and the medium and stuff. It, it's just, it's really crazy and fascinating to see this kind of stuff. They have culture, cultural value. Yeah, exactly. Cultural productions, especially, and, uh, especially, oh, go ahead. especially, uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to like, no, go for uh, it. the originals, especially like that original Zelda, mm-hmm. right. And what it did for creating an open world, almost RPG like game or moving Mario into 3d for the first time. Like, yeah, that game isn't great now but like at the time it it was absolutely revolutionary Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it was the first time like yeah we got crash bandicoot like a year before that and that was like okay yeah it's like a it's like a 2d game but they shift the perspective from left to right to up and down right basically and Mm -hmm. uh or forward and back or whatever and now like you have these big open hubs that mario can run around in and throw stuff and fly and and all these other crazy things and that was so revolutionary. That's like the one game I remember, like, mm-hmm. I'm, like as somebody who's not like a huge Mario fan, I'm still like Mario 64 was the game that I point to and say, this is when I became the gamer I am today. Right. Because of how revolutionary and crazy that game was. Absolutely. I mean, it, the world stopped. I, I'll never forget watching you know, and at the time growing up in the 80s and 90s and, you know, video games were not mainstream. And so when the local news had a whole segment on how Mario 64 was in a 3D environment, that was sort of just this moment where it's like people were taking notice that mm-hmm. that something is changing in this medium. Yeah. And me like an idiot, because like I never had a Super Nintendo until later. Uh, me like an idiot. It was like oh i'm just going to get a super nintendo because look at look at all the games you can all, that are already out you know and, and my i t- i mean my grandma bought me a nintendo 64 and mario 64 for christmas that year and it, the rest is history but like yeah i was like oh my gosh mario 64 man that game so hmm. and what do you think take us home on this topic so um 
I know we, I know me and LeBron talked about this because I was kind of wondering why, like, games like PlayStation and games from Microsoft, why they don't have this kind of nature that, um, even though these are classic games and they sold so much, why people don't go out and buy them and everything. I think Nintendo has such a rich retro history that collectors who are wanting this game, they will spend the money and go out and buy the stuff. You know, I, I told Leron that, I think it was last week on play on um, Crossroads, that people would spend close, a uh, grandma named Kim may have 95,000, uh, may have like a hundred thousand plus uh, price point worth of games, like really some money. And she's selling that whole box at a garage sale for two or three dollars per game. And it's still in its pristine condition. You know, of course, it's going to go up because it's in that pristine condition. If I get a game for two dollars and then sell it online for five hundred thousand dollars, someone is willing to up that money, you know. Mm-hmm. The only other game outside of Nintendo has been Sega uh, from Se- well, Sega was Pairs of Dragoon. Mm-hmm. Like that original Sega Saturn game, that that's been out for some money. Yeah. To see uh to see a game go for a a million dollars and up. Mm-hmm. Two point six for a double dragon. Here's the long and short of the whole thing, like Nintendo games are in our DNA as modern mm-hmm. gamers. It's in our DNA. Like I, I joked about that Double Dragon two game song for as much as it did, but at the end of the day, there was some little kid just like me who was like completely awestruck by you know Billy and Jimmy doing whirlwind kicks and jumping from platform I mean, to platform thing, and stuff like that that they had. To I had the thing at the time too. Oh yeah, the oh, thing the thing at the time too is like you didn't know that game was bad. That's all we had, right? Like yeah, exactly, right, like hundred percent. You know, <laughs> exactly. and like you don't learn until later that like oh well, this is this might be what a good game feels like, right? Like it, it it's just all. And Ed, to your point too, is like in Laron Nintendo is in our is in our DNA. That's why this show mm-hmm. exists. That's why we're all sitting here, you know, celebrating Nintendo every week and. You talk about Sony and stuff like PS1 games. Yeah, there's some PS1 games out there like like Tomba and Tomba 2 are, are uh, games that sell for a lot. I mean, not nearly that much, but like they sell for a lot there. But the thing is, is like Sony didn't have the first party development that Nintendo did. Sony That's true. didn't have the they, they didn't have they arguably still don't have their Miyamoto or their Anuma or their Iwata. Right. Like. Nintendo did this out of the crash of the Atari. They came and basically saved video games. Saved the industry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, you know, kind of just to wrap this up, you know, obviously I don't have 870K to drop on that Zelda, but man, I would love to have that gold gold cartridge hanging in a, you know, in a case on my wall. I have a, uh, I have a be... gold cart by itself, David. Yeah. Real, <laughs> real, real, real quickly, real quickly, I'm going to ask this to y'all, you guys up there. What is one classic nes title you would drop a million bucks on if you if you had the money to spend it nes i wouldn't drop any money on nes well i mean these are i I mean these are nes get well well uh, actually mario 64 is different but like that but like the 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 crown the crown achievement right now is double dragon 2 and that's an nes title so that's why i said nes games yeah all right uh, i mean i i would say i mean 
I obviously the Legend of Zelda for for the, but I'll actually throw in a wild card. <laughs> uh-huh. I will say SNES. If I could get a boxed and sealed copy of A Link to the Past, I would absolutely oh, drop man. a million dollars. This is why I, this is why I love you, David. This is why I love you. I, well, I, I would say for for just to say any like if we're just talking NES games, I would say the original Metroid game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would just because it, it's would... so different and distinct that like again it created a whole genre of game yeah like it, it's yeah sorry Dan, uh, Dan. I would go Mario Mario 3 or uh, Chrono Trigger Chrono oh, Trigger would be like yes. my number See, one like I would is, love to have that one See, on display that's the one I would donate my firstborn son for <laughs> <laughs> The original Chrono. Do you know how many times I bought Chrono Trigger? Like I bought the I bought the original Super NES release. I bought the uh, I bought the PS One release when it was in the Final Fantasy Chronicles collection, and then I yep. bought it again when it came to DS. Yeah, and uh, I bought it on I bought all those three, and I bought it on Steam. <laughs> oh, see, I haven't bought the Steam version because I'm like because like I got this big ass computer screen, so I was like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, it would be Ninja Gaiden for NES. Ooh, and then Earth, or then Earth Brown for Super Nintendo. Uh, for Sega Genesis, actually for Sega oh, CD. I, 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 said, I, said one, I said one genre. I know, I know, but uh, but, but you I know Ed, actually, Ed has to have five. You know so Ed's list. You know this is, Ed's this list. Is a, no, this, he has, this, this when is a, you say one, you mean one one page of games. Hold on, there. Hold on. There's four other people on this show tonight to moderate. Ed, hurry up. <laughs> my last one. I, no, the one that I would really spend money money on is Snatcher on Sega CD. Okay, yeah, I had that one. I, I owned that one. <laughs> uh, Corey, I already I already said it. Oh, yeah, Metro oh, yeah. original. Yeah. Oh, Metro, that's right. Yeah, I, I, not I, okay. not the reprint, the original black box, oh, yeah. black label. Oh, oh yeah, Metroid. oh yeah. Laurent, yeah. did you say yours? Uh, no, like, cause, uh, cause you and you and Dan both had me upswept when Dan All said right. Chrono Trigger and you said Link, uh, Link to the Past. Uh, but for me, like, my NES title would probably be Mega Man Two. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. Again, good choice. I have that card if you want. Just the All right, card. Ed. I'm going to wrap this up here. That was the, our family news segment, everybody. Thank you to the panel for a great discussion. Ed, I'm going to send it back to you. All right, everybody. It's time for Doc Mode. Grab your Masti and gear up as the Power Block crew talk all things related to Monster Hunter Stories 2. What do we love about the game? The problems we have with it? What do we think of sales for this game? Will uh, will we see this on other platforms and more outside of the PC? So, my elite black agents, let's get into this. So, of course, uh, David, you have played the demo for the first time. Corey, Leron, and Dan, you have played the demo also. And now the full game is out. I've experienced it for the first time. So, let's get into the first question. What do we love about this game? The art. Uh, I'm, the art I'm going direction. to start with you. <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Leron, as our guest. <laughs> okay. As as the ultimate Monster Hunter fan here on this panel, the one thing, the main thing I love about Monster Hunter stories, the overall franchise, as uh, per se, is just the 
immersed them you get more immersiveness in the lore of monster hunter especially if you're somebody like me that's been playing monster hunter for 15 plus years now this is just like a gold mine for me and stuff like that like you know like yes there's the artwork yeah there's the simplified playing style yes there's the fact that you can that you can own damn near every single monster that's in the entire mythos of monster hunter and stuff like that like that's beyond the point just getting the lore like finding things out and stuff like that because like monster hunters is this big rich world you have you have humans you have Wyverians, and then you have the monsters and then beyond the monsters you have the god tier version of the monsters called elder dragons and stuff like that it's just it's amazing i love it and capcom knew what they were doing for a, a monster hunter fan like me when they came out with stories <laughs> I, I i can't say enough dan uh you did a, re- a little mini review for it uh yeah good review by the way <laughs> thanks it was um i mean i I like played a lot of Monster Hunter stories in the demo. And then when the the day came out, I played it like all day. Um, I even played the original one a little bit just to compare it. And Mm. I mean, I can tell you just from the little bit I played from the first one, this game blows it out of the water. Mm. Like it's real. Yeah. I mean, it's a sequel that kind of stays true to the original, but like is just so much better. Mm-hmm. um the art style is amazing like the battle system is fun like i've seen a lot of people say they don't like it because it's just just a rocks paper scissor type battle system but it, there's so much depth to it when it comes to you know your your different style of weapons and like the different moves you can use the, and the kinship there's even quality yeah the kinship too. and like the quality of life too like What's awesome is like if you're overpowered going against a weak team of enemies, it just ends the battle and you can Mm -hmm. collect monster parts. And it like, like I I, I liked Rise. I didn't love Rise. Like I just couldn't get into it. But like one of the things I loved about Rise was like the collecting and crafting (laughs) and everything. And you take that into Monster Hunter stories and you turn it into a JRPG and it's like, it's so addicting to find these monsters, explore dens, collect parts, build up your weapons, build up your armor. There's so much to do in it that like I find myself getting lost trying to actually play the story because I'm like, oh, damn, there's another rare monster den. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after I do that, I got to go. I got to go find this certain monster so I can collect his parts and I got to get a better weapon. Like, it's just there's so much to do. It's just so much fun. Like, even the grind feels rewarding. Everything's yeah. rewarding in this game, which is just so nice. Like, I, I, I'm blown away. I love it right now. I told Leron in the chat, I was just like, I cannot progress in this game because these sidequests <laughs> are addicted. That's so good. That's, but, no, but that's how the original Monster Hunter stories was. Like, you, like, yeah. lo- leveling up that prayer pot. Like, just going out there, running back <laughs> and forth, doing missions, stuff like that, you know. Like, like shoot, like, in the old school Monster Hunter games, like the traditional Monster Hunter games, you're worried about getting armor and weapons and stuff like that. In this game, you're worried about getting those freaking monsters. <laughs> <laughs> David, with you trying out the uh, demo, what do you think about this game? Is there something that connects to you to be like, oh, I think I want to love this if I purchase this game. And if you don't purchase it, I might have to send you a birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would just say that I, I'm somebody that the demo worked on multiple times. Nintendo, oh, that is a beautiful Amiibo. Uh, Nintendo, 
made money off me twice. So so I downloaded it for myself and for my daughter, and we both played through the demo this this weekend, and um, she absolutely fell in love with the game. And so I purchased the the full game for her, and, and she's probably put in like close to thirty hours already on it, which is just crazy. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah, like she's just totally in, immersed. And for me. I think it's so aptly named stories because for me, the thing that hooked me is the storytelling. It's so well done and immersive. And I got to be honest, like I really approached with some skepticism because I don't need another franchise to get into. Um, like yes. I already have a bunch, you know, and, and I found myself hooked. Like I found myself um, loving the story, wanting to know more. I won't talk too much about the art cause I know Corey's going to do that, but it, the artwork combined with the good storytelling was so immersive for me that I felt like as somebody who's kind of on the fence about JRPGs sometimes I, I want to play more. So I probably will buy the full version um, when I'm done with Xenoblade. So, which I'm pretty close to now. So, okay, Corey, your turn. Dig in, go. Uh, the So I'm, I've only played about my weeks have just been really crazy the last couple of weeks with mm-hmm. work and stuff, but like just that initial, five or six hours that I played of the demo and then the, you know, a couple hours I've played of the full game. It's just like the, the art in this game is amazing. And it's like, I, okay. You look at it first and you're just like, Oh yeah, it's just another anime game where you're, it's, you know, basically Pokemon on steroids, whatever. But like you go out into the world, there's so many places to explore uh, the color palette and just like, the way they shade the environments or the characters. Like, it's just like a, almost a, it's almost anime mixed with wind waker to an extent. Yeah. Like it, it's just, I just, I can't get like, that's what drew me in was the, was the environments and the art. And like you go up these, you know, these uh, plateaus and you're, you're looking at these mountains and these waterfalls and just the way the, the art works with the environment and the shading and the, way the cliffs reflect the the shadows and stuff it's just like it's phenomenal i i love i love the art of this game uh i like the art of the characters like i i think uh the chief is hilarious looking like i just think he's just awesome he's like he's like hawaiian santa almost it's just so (laughs) much fun uh i i i just i love the art and I love the way it plays. And I, I think the monsters feel distinct in this game. And, and, you know, I was talking to Jacob the other day and he, and he wants, he wants a whole monster hunter game in this art style. I don't know how you would feel about that, Laron, but like, Oh, uh, I, I would welcome it. Yeah. I don't feel like this would fit a regular monster hunter game, this art style. Well, like, not- well, not when you think about like Monster Hunter hit like its ultimate with like Monster Hunter World. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Don't get me wrong. Monster like Hunter was... World's art style was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying if you're gonna make like a Switch only version, like I, I, I almost feel like Rise would have benefited more of not exactly this art style, but like the color palette mixed with the world style. You know that uh, I. Mm. We're talking about tech now. We're talking about tech. I know, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> I feel like Rise though, the art style fit that game perfectly. Yeah, like, oh yeah, you oh, felt yeah. like Rise. so in the environment in that game, and it just like it was just. I thought Rise was like perfect when it came. Rise to... is 
the Rise's graphical Rise's graphical design and art style, like you know, like they the one thing they did right with, with Rise putting it going from World to Rise is they they did the the they went to the Japanese style, and that's what makes Rise work. It feel Rise feels like yeah more of a Japanese kind of actually actually uh, Rise actually Rise feels like a more a more anime version of freaking Monster Hunter to be honest with you. Know, it kind of does. Rise kind of reminds me of like Samurai Champloo in a sense in that yeah. kind of style. Yeah. Like if you yeah. mix it with some hip hop, it would be like now, that. Would now be you guys awesome. are just talking nerd stuff. I don't understand. <laughs> That's anime, yeah. but I I think <laughs> but I think. Stories has such like goose like you mentioned, Corey, this wind worker kind of feel to it, anime style. But it's like it looked like with the color palette, you're on this island, it feels like it's Hawaiian. It feels like mm-hmm. you know, uh definitely when you get later on to the into the story, because I know you got a favorite character, Deron, that you've been uh loving. Um Wait, what, huh? Whoop. The cat that's in the purple. Oh, oh yes, Sukino. Oh my god. Yeah. So um, I had to I had to turn Rise back on just to unlock that skin from my from my palico. <laughs> so uh, so I mean, I think I think for each because I feel like now Capcom could be able to split the games and they each could have their own series in the sense. Well, they, um, I mean they are now. Well, that's, right? that's, that's, what, that, that's what that's what that's what. That's what they've been doing. Like, I mean, like you know, like with except with, with with stories, you can only play it on the 3DS and on the um and on the oh, tablets, yeah. on 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 mobile. But uh, I, I think I think they could go more. I think they're going to continue more with stories, um, in a sense. Uh, and now with Rise and stuff, they probably could be like, okay, this could be the Nintendo and, and PC. Well, it's almost like Monster, like the main series could be their game, like their service game almost, right? And mm-hmm. then the, the stories game could be like, okay, well, we need something to put out in between main releases. This can be our, you know, hey, you may not be into full Monster Hunter like like me, right? Like I, I would like to. I, I'm telling them... I, <clears throat> I told LeRon the other day that I would, if we were to do a series where he taught me how to play Monster Hunter for the YouTube channel, maybe we would do it. <laughs> finally, finally, like this, this is what it took. It took it took stories to get you guys to play Rise. I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I I play Rise. I was waiting for. It. I'm not talking to you, Ed. Oh. I know about you. I'm not. I'm not talking about you. Oh. <laughs> I'm about to say because you like you guys. I'm just like I play Rise. LeRon's talking about the fight. white boys on this show right now. Okay? <laughs> Well, we're gonna move on to the next. <laughs> I, did, I did not make it about color. <laughs> but the color in my story is beautiful. <laughs> uh, I see what you but, did there. I see what you did there. Uh, we're gonna, uh, what problems did we have with the game? I, I think it's the frame rate drops, but it's not that bad. I think that's the only problem that I, I'm having with this, just the frame rates. And I think that'll be patched later on. Um, but yeah, everything I. Anything, anything else, uh, Dan? Did you have any problems with it, or the, the, the frame rates do drive me crazy? Because like most of the time, they're not even happening. Like when there's a lot going on on the screen, it's like it's there'll really be text, random. yeah, or like even just a cutscene where you're just looking at somebody, and all of a sudden, like it's just dropping like crazy. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, get in it. the main town, the frame rate drops a lot. A ton. Yeah, and it's just like, well, this should be like where it runs the best because like everything right. is just kind of like static and like yeah, the people that are walking, like the people that are walking around are like on a animation, uh, you know, like a, a schedule animated schedule, like they just walking around doing their own thing, whatever. Like that should be like that should be where it runs the best, and then when you get out where the monsters are roaming around, that's where it should drop. 
you know? Right. Yeah. I know a lot of people say they've been it's been better in handheld mode than on dock mode. Yes. Yeah. And that's crazy. It's because the me. resolution that's... is only like five forty P. Oh wow. <laughs> um David, did you have any problems with it when you was playing the demo, or you were just still trying to learn the game? You know, I'm still like th- three hours in, but I would just say there's like a few things that I wish were a little different. I I know you can jump when you're on monsties, but I wish there were, you could jump otherwise when you're just walking around. That that kind of takes me out of the game a little bit. It, it just mm-hmm. annoys me. But yeah. as um, someone who's into Zelda, you should be used to that, though. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Oh, are we? Are we uh, being the lack today? of a jump button is a sore spot for me. Uh, uh, maybe that's why. Maybe you hit the head oh, nail on the so head. And then, side like, tangent. On, side tangent on the jump thing. I went back to the, the 3DS and I was I started up Ocarina of Time again because I was like, okay, well I I haven't played this in a while. I, well, I haven't played it in probably like 20 years actually. And like I went I went and did everything. I forgot that Zelda doesn't have a jump button. And I went it's to weird. use the yeah. the Breath of the Wild controls. And I'm like, I can't sprint. I can't <laughs> jump. I can't do anything. This is but stupid. Like, when do you jump in JRPGs? Like they have a jump button in Xenoblade. And I just run around a field jumping up and down. <laughs> oh, I, I, I jump all the time with Xenoblade. When I'm going down hills and I, I don't mind taking fall damage so I can get down faster, I totally jump. Uh, Lara, I know you're you're probably going to probably pick this game up for PC, and I know you're going to hype it. So please stream it so I can watch it so I can just, like, gag. <laughs> okay, so you know what? That's my sore spot I have about this game. Like there is no cross save for this game. Mm-hmm. I like. I mean, like, There's yeah. Not? Cap Capcom knows how I am about Monster Hunter, so I am probably, I'm most definitely, probably going to pick this game up on PC as well. But the Mr. fact Capcom that there is no knows the run exactly. But the fact there is no cross saves is like boggling my brain. And it's like, come on, guys, have you not learned from the from the angst that all the Monster Hunter players went through from the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One version to the PC version? Come on, guys. Like it's 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 not that it's not that hard. And this game launched at the same exact time on the same exact day for both for both platforms. And there's no cross save. It it was almost like it was almost like, well, we know PC players are gonna buy it, but we're gonna make sure everything happens on on the Switch, you know? Like they Switch had early release, you know, as far as like mm. the you can play you can play you can play technically the first fifteen hours of the game, technically, you know. Um and stuff like that. You know, and why there was no demo for the PC, I don't understand that either. But you know, it is what it is, you know, like especially like, we just came off the heels of E three and stuff like that. And if, if the if the PC gaming show that told you one thing, it's is that everybody had demos ready for every single game they reeled on that PC gaming show, like Capcom. Like, what were you doing besides showing us, like, 30 minutes of uh, Phoenix Wright? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I want to ask you guys, uh, okay, what did we think of the sales? Um, Just quickly, we don't got full sales yet, but it showed up as number three on the UK charts. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is number one. FIFA 21 is number two. And Monster Hunter Stories 2, Rings of Ruin, came in number three. Uh, we'll probably still get information for North America and Japan a little bit later in the week before this recording. Uh, but what do you guys think? Do you think number three is good for this? Um, uh, just in, in the UK, knowing that? Or do you think it's going to be more once full numbers come out? Or uh the in mpd come out uh david what's your thoughts ed i'm sorry my 
my internet cut out there for a moment and just oh. came in on the end of your question. So were you saying that it, it placed third so far in launch weekend? Is that what you were saying? Yeah. So it placed third and on the launch in the UK. Uh, we don't have numbers mm. for America, Japan yet. Uh, but what did you think gotcha. of the sale numbers uh, that is being number three? I think that's going to go up big time. I think with as popular as Monster Hunter has been, uh, you know, in the West and in Japan, like I, I can't imagine that doesn't continue to climb. And I think also Nintendo has all the momentum right now. I, I and this is, you know, this and Skyward Sword are featured for July, so I, I think those numbers go way up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, uh, I know you are the numbers guys. You, uh, what, what are your thoughts? I think. Um... I think this is actually going to hit a little more wide of a range than um, Rise did. I think it's just a little bit more approachable than some of the other Monster Hunter games, and I think it's it, it's a good entry to the series. Mm -hmm. I think we could see it hit at least two or three million copies for sure. And I think the more it catches on, it's gonna it's gonna get legs throughout the year. Um, this this could easily be a game that hits th three million. What about what about uh, what's your thoughts, Laurent? I I I'm under the same. I agree with Dan on this, but I I just really don't know. And the reason why I'm saying this is because uh, is because Monster Hunter Stories One, in my opinion, well, it, it, based off everything I know, like it did not sell well outside of, outside of Japan, and like the 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 overall thing with stories one in Japan, they got a second season uh, added onto the game. They got a whole bunch of DLC. Like we only got like what was, what was scheduled for the first game. And that was about it. And then like all of a sudden it showed up on iOS and, and Android. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And a lot of people were convinced there was no sequel coming. And then all of a sudden, boom, we got a sequel coming. It's like, okay, like what's going on here? You know? So it's that. So I, stories one actually only sold 350,000. And yeah, total yeah yeah it didn't yeah it didn't so but most of his units sold more in you know over in the east than it did over here uh like there was just like no momentum for it and you know like capcom like ed you, you said it before like capcom went on this nice little marketing spree for stories mm -hmm. two which which shocked the hell out of me because you know because stories one had a whole anime series behind it <laughs> yeah <laughs> But but the power of the switch is strong, man. Like the okay, way that, that, that switch has been steamrolling the last couple of years. Like mm -hmm. so many people have bought a Nintendo Switch in the last eighteen months that they're gonna ride that train and just market the hell out of it. I mean, we all watched E three. Like I think three different presentations had Monster Hunter Stories two on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like I yeah. got sick of it by the time we saw Nintendo uh, present on Tuesday of E3. So it's like they were going for it, and uh, it, it, honestly, it lived up to everything too. So yeah, mm. so far, so far, it's been it, it's been impressive. Yeah, uh, Corey, what are your thoughts about this? I games? think I think this game is actually going to do surprisingly well. I it, I think this game actually has the potential to beat out Skyward Sword HD just because. Out of all the Zelda games, Skyward Sword seems to have the biggest stink attached to it because of like the motion controls and stuff. Now, granted, it's Zelda; it'll probably sell, right? Like, I mean, it's it's Zelda; it's gonna sell. Um, Everybody's prepared for Friday. Yeah, but I feel like I think that uh, Monster Hunter Stories Two, plus the the just the popularity of Monster Hunter World and Rise, seem to have put Monster Hunter on the map more than 
the the previous games and so uh i think that i think this game is going to do well just also because like people love jrpgs on the switch and mm-hmm. they'll play anything right like bravely default 2 sold well you know what i mean like that's that's such a odd name mixed with like just it's so niche yeah it's it, yeah. it's it in it's man it's i just think i think this game is going to sell really well i think it's going to sell probably 10 times better than the the first one like i i really feel like this game's going to do just because like it's it looks great it plays great the world of mouth seems to be going around i just feel like this game's just going to blow a lot of things out of the water so did you guys think that it may end up on some people's game of the year list or like maybe best JRPG along with uh, Master on the Rise? Because it has to it has the possibility of doing it. Actually, I feel like I feel like with the way like Master and Stories has been has been accepted, Master and Stories is, is going to probably take home more awards than Rise does. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's saying something because Rise because Rise is, I think, some approach fast approaching nine million units shipped. Mm-hmm. Uh I think this is probably. I could see both of them being on people's some people nominations um, for this year. The reason uh, why I'm saying stories beats out Rise in that regard is because Rise is the the main series of Monster Hunter is now considered an action game. Like they they most most people just most people don't even describe it as an action RPG anymore. They just describe it as an action game. And you know mm-hmm. and you know now that you can jump and climb and do all that stuff now technically is like it's more like an action platformer. You know versus versus that. You know it's got the RPG elements of course of grinding and all that stuff. And Stories has that too. You know but more simplified. You know. But um, I just I just have a feeling feeling that you know like stories is adopting very well with the market that's available on the Switch and that and that's and that's where we're gonna see it because and also like Capcom kind of like I don't know like it seems like Capcom's already kind of like dropped Rise off of a cliff <laughs> like, like I, I don't mean, know man Rise I, has I mean, been getting a lot of good support is there Rise is has, there a roadmap Rise has there has been no new roadmap for Rise since. It's uh since since uh late May. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wonder, like, I, like, like a, right now right right now, like the next two like the next two things are all centered around Monster Hunter stories as far as Rise goes. But mm-hmm. for, for stories, we have they gave us the roadmap five months out. They didn't do that for Rise. They didn't do that at all for Rise. I wonder <laughs> if it's because of them working on the PC stuff. I wonder for Rise. And they're gonna uh, add No, because okay, okay, because let's listen to me for a second here. Like Monster Hunter World came out in February on PS4 and Xbox One, and then it came out in October on the PC. (laughs) So, so So I just want to kind of go back to what Laurent was saying for a second. Like between Rise and Stories, like any Monster Hunter fan who plays both the games is going to say that Rise is the better game and probably deserves more awards. But the fact that like stories two is more approachable and can be played by anybody is definitely going to be the reason that we see it more in any awards shows. Like just because it's going to have more eyes on it, it's not as niche, it's more approachable. So the more eyes on it, like the more people are going to, except like what's going on with it like the music the art direction like it just pretty much all of that stuff so i mean i'm with you Laurent. i i even if rise probably does deserve more awards i think i think stories might pick up pick up yeah. more nominations uh, well, well before you go Laurent, before you go uh mm-hmm. david 
what are your thoughts about the see thinking of it could get some good nominations? Yeah, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Sorry, my signal's been bouncing around here. Um, yeah, I think it can get some awards just because I think it's so accessible. It's it's bringing people in who might not otherwise have given the series a look. And I, I honestly, I'm one of those people. Like, I, I'm really trying hard to not get interested because I just have too many franchises to play. But it's totally sucked me in, and it could be one of those surprise sort of you know, forming almost like a cult following kind of kind of games because it's so engaging and well done. And uh, what about you, Corey? Sorry, I'm I'm gotta, busy. I gotta. Sorry, my kid is awake. Um, <laughs> we're we're communicating via text message. So uh, my <laughs> wife and I, not my kid and I, my wife and I are, you know. So sorry. What what were you asking? I'm sorry, Ed. I'm really Do you sorry. Think, uh, stories could get a lot of nominations for a game of the year or even JRPG of the year. I think um, I think you can see it in some RPG categories. I mean, I know the Switch is full of them, especially this month, right? With with World Ends with You and and Monstrum Knox is out. The Yeez Nine, uh, and you know, there's there's a lot of uh, other RPGs coming out later this year as well, but like I could see it getting a lot of RPG love just because it's Monster Hunter is more mainstream now than others. It's it's got a great art style, great battle system. Uh, so I could see it there. I could see it ended up on a lot of top ten lists for Switch mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, maybe like in the four to seven ish range. Uh, this year just to, because it's it's a great game and and uh, I think it can compete with Skyward Sword and and uh, Metroid and these other games that are coming out later this year too. So it's a possibility that it could win the Bossies from the Bosch Race Awards, but we will discuss that later. Uh, final question for you guys. Uh, it, oh, go ahead, Laurent. I'm sorry. Uh, I tell you what, if it if it actually takes awards over, or, or if it takes Boss Rush awards over Monster Hunter Rise, I will riot. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, we there's more to discuss. Um, I, will, last... I will I will pack up Crossroads and we will go home. <laughs> uh last thing uh will we see this on other platforms um do you guys think that master Hunter stories too due to the popularity of it has more good sales um we know that's coming for pc but is there a chance for it to come to mobile or kind of playstation 5 in the xbox series one um series x i'm sorry um do you think that this game could show up on more platforms um, and maybe you guys can answer this, uh, Corey and I mean Corey, David and uh, Leron. If my son of the stories two hits Game Pass, could that get more um, people into the series? Um, but but let's answer the first part. Do you guys think that this game could come to other platforms? Uh, Corey, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, I feel like I feel like this could this has a better chance of coming to other platforms later. Uh, I wonder if Nintendo paid for like a timed exclusive for this at some point. Uh, you know, the the first game, 3DS game, probably not going to look the best if you put it put it on an HD console, right? Like it's just, it, I feel like that game was designed for mobile uh, use. This game, though, ju- just it's getting a PC release, so that automatically puts it uh, in a place where I feel like this could come to other consoles later. 
Uh, Capcom is no stranger to putting games on other platforms after, right? I mean, you look at Resident Evil 4 with the GameCube, and I still have my copy that says only for GameCube, and it's uh, been on 75,000 consoles since then. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a good candidate to come. I feel like this is a game that Microsoft might look at and say, we're going to try to get this on Game Pass when this exclusivity is up. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why I wouldn't. <laughs> like Capcom, Capcom publishes on every platform. Why not? Why why limit yourself on sales? It's just it's silly. Yeah, unless uh, unless Nintendo helped fund this game directly, like I don't see it. I feel like it could come to other platforms, right? Like I, I just don't see it not. Like why wouldn't you? You know, I think we're in this space where. Japan, like Japanese games are finally in a space where they're expanding to other consoles ex- outside of Nintendo or just PlayStation, mm-hmm. right? Look at Octopath Traveler making it to e- Xbox Game Pass before it hits PlayStation, right? Uh, you look at Yakuza moving to Xbox. You look at uh, Judgment and all these other, you, you see these other Japanese, big Japanese games aiming for a worldwide release on on multiple platforms for the first time in such a long time that like, you know, limiting yourself these days is just, you know, it's going to, it's going to really hurt your bottom line at this point, right? Like games are so expensive to make and market and produce discs, press discs, press cartridges, right? Like you're going to have to pay for that at some point. So, um, I think it's a no-brainer to put it on other consoles once this exclusivity is up if if Nintendo didn't fund it directly. Uh, what about you, David? I mean, I think it just depends on how well the game sells because if it is a mega seller, that's like the only scenario where I could see Nintendo trying to take some kind of action to keep it console-specific. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, there's no reason for them to fight to keep the game on there if it's already sold, you know, it's 5 million copies that it's going to sell. Why fight to keep it exclusive? But, you know, I can't see them doing that. All right. And, LeBron, you'll have the last word. All right. Uh, if Capcom, if Capcom decides to get greedy, yes, it'll show up on other platforms. But um, I've always, I've always said one thing when it comes to all the consoles, like you, you look where your demographics are at. Like, there's a good possibility that this game may show. Well, it's going, to, it's going to be on the PC, and the PC sales will tell like where it will go next. If the PC sales look strong enough, then the next, then the next demographic to get it will most likely be PlayStation. Because uh, because PlayStation gamers are RPG gamers in the, in the traditional sense of JRPG gamers. So, yeah, Xbox gamers are more Western RPG gamers. So this might be the this might be the, the disconnect right there, you know. So it's all about the demographics and stuff like that, and where they feel that they may be able to get the biggest bang for the buck for it, you know. Also, the Switch has some wonky architecture. You know, as far as like programming and stuff, so it's good this game is available on PC because it'll be a lot easier to translate for the other consoles. Yeah. Um I think yeah, it probably I think it'll probably come to mobile and Steam. Well, it probably is on Steam, I think. If it's on it PC. is it is a Steam game. Okay. Um I don't know if it's coming to Epic Games or anything. It may later on down the line. Um I can see this on other consoles, definitely on PlayStation. I can see it on. Um if it does come to Game Pass, I really hope that uh people dive in and play because 
when we talked about Microsoft kind of want to get into the Japanese market and would love to have more Japanese games, I think this fits that uh, requirement. This fits what they've been looking for. Um, and it'll be a good thing to get people to like play and finish it. I hope people just don't say, I'll, I'll try it on Game Pass to see how it is. I really want people to like dive in because it's such a great game. And, that, and when you see people say that, oh, okay, now I see why the Nintendo fans or the Nintendo community love this game. So I'm going to stick with it and play it on Game Pass. Let, let Microsoft and uh, Capcom get them coins um, from Microsoft if they can. Um, but uh, last thing I will say, everybody, please go to GameRent.com. Grayson Morales, our good friend, did a review for it. Also go to Boss Rush Games, read Dan's review for it. Um, they Those two did a fantastic job. And maybe in the future, we're going to try to, we're probably going to get a spreader cast for this to have uh, Grayson oh, yeah. on and yeah. Dan. Um, of course, LeBron, you're going to have to be there because yeah. <laughs> it would be something. Welcome me back to the table, please. <laughs> that's something that's something Dan and I have actually talked about is like we want to get spoiler casts going, uh, especially because, you know, with our prepping other content for Power Block and other stuff like spoiler casts are a big thing that we are looking at. And uh, yeah, I, I think Monster Hunter Stories 2 and Skyward Sword are two games that are right <sighs> right for uh starting spoiler cast so i, I can't well, and I'll, I'll, I'll do, do a uh, bravely default to one all by myself <laughs> it's gonna be I, five hours uh, long dan great great re- great review dan by the way i know yes. we kind of yeah. talked about it in the chat the other day i was like man i this was this got up fast and like i i finally read it the uh yesterday and it was it was great so great job on that review awesome thanks yeah for real I know, David, I cannot wait for you to know what you were so scary sword. Uh, and if they do, a, like I said, if they do a Majora's Mask one, I am going on that supporter cast. I'm not going to hate. But you already know that I'm probably gonna be like, I love this game now. <laughs> I'm probably gonna nerd out with you hard about that. But everybody, that has been our dogma. We're going to quickly get it to playing with power. Dan, what have you been playing with power? Um, aside from Monster Hunter Stories 2, um, I've been trying to wrap up CrossCode. That's kind of hitting a, hitting a wall for me. Um, I fired up Smash and I, I started using, um, uh, how do you say his name? Kazuya? Kazuya. Holy crap. That is like the most intricate Smash fighter ever. Like, He's really difficult, but, like, rewarding to use. Um, That's, like, I mean, he is a serious, like, fighting game character in a Smash Brothers game. And it's, like, it's super cool. It's funny. He's fun to use. Like, Fighter Pass 2 has just been phenomenal. Like, every character, I I mean, Min Min is the only one I couldn't really get on board with. Um, But, man, that's been such a good Fighter Pass yeah, it's um, like I mean, the I feel like the characters in Fighter Pass One were a little bit more exciting from like a just like a nostalgia or character standpoint, but like just from a fighting standpoint, pa- Fighter Pass Two has just been a phenomenal addition. Yeah, Fighter Pass One is good too. Like I know a lot of people hated Byleth, but Byleth is really fun to play as. Okay, they <laughs> like, they hated Byleth because it's another Fire Emblem character. They didn't hate it because it was Byleth, right? Like I I feel yeah. I hated that. Yes. Like <laughs> Byleth is awesome. 
I will defend Byleth. I was like, remember? <laughs> but like the big thing was like everybody thought Dante was coming because they've released all of the Devil May Cry games that week on Switch. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. are they teasing Dante? No. <laughs> I, I can say, I still can say me and David was just like, that's Ganon. What is going on? Like we literally was just like, me and David had connected to Sky. I mean, connected to the internet like that. We're like, what the world is going on? And then when we seen it was Smash, and they threw him off. That's when I fell out laughing. <laughs> oh um, yeah, with the uh, Kazuya trailer. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, me and David just like getting <laughs> like we was in unison. <laughs> you know, trailer. you know, I'll I'll be honest with you as a Tekken fan. I kind of, I kind of suspected that this was going to be like a, like, like a smash reveal when, when they showed that. Just for a simple fact, I was like, I was like, why is it being carried on off the side of a cliff? And I was like, hold on a second, like, 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 hey, Hachi and Kazuya have this thing where they're father and son in Tekken, and they have this thing where across three different games, someone's been chucked off the side of, of, of a mountain. <laughs> I, I love the end of that trailer though, where he. Drops Kirby off the edge, and then there's just <laughs> like on three seconds him. of silence, and then you just see him popping out like in the background. <laughs> man, I they're I, getting so good with those reveal trailers, man. Like when, like Mario got bodied in a few of them by like Minecraft Steve, and then when Sephiroth like pierced him, <laughs> like I was like, oh my god, this is we dark Ripley killed him in uh. In a Metroid okay. one, <laughs> Ripley, yeah, Ridley killed him too. Oh my god, um, yeah. So anyway, like I've been playing that. Um, I'm so close to finishing all the puzzles in Picross S6. Once that's done, I'm just gonna have to sit here and wait for Picross S7. Um, I played the Tetris 99 Maximus Cup to get that uh, Mario Golf skin, mm. uh, and. I hadn't played in a while. I was getting really bad. <laughs> and then lastly, um, so my fiance, the only game she'll ever play is, or games is Mario Party and Captain Toad. So we fired up Captain Toad and tried playing this, the last level, which is called Mummy Maze Me. Mm-hmm. And it's like 50 levels of just chaos. And it's one of the most difficult things. We played it for like 50 minutes and didn't beat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- David, what have you been playing with power? Oh, did he freeze? We'll come back to David. Yeah, he's been loading oh. out. Okay. Uh, Leron, what? Hey, hold up. Can, can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Oh, God. I don't know what's going on with my sky. I must need, like, an update or something. It's just totally, like, going nuts. Also, uh, um, So, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Which is weird because, like, none of my – anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, you're asking me what, I, what I'm playing with power, right? Yes. Um, so I finally did 100% Age of Calamity uh, again, including all the DLC, and am more convinced than ever that it's one of the best Zelda games ever made. Um, <laughs> it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, so I, I loved it. It was so great. And uh, I even found all the Korok seeds. Uh, oh I God. also have been <laughs> – <laughs> do the uh, do the also, people over at Zelda Dungeon know that you think this is one of the best Zelda games? Do we? Oh yeah, to... it's it's there's a whole there's factions there for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not the only one in the Age of Calamity camp. Um, I also been playing a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles, and uh, I'm I'm on the last boss now, so I'm I'm pretty excited Ooh. to finish that up. Um, it's been great, and then I've been playing a ton of Fortnite. So how how. How do you feel about that? Like last couple of chapters in Xenoblade Chronicles, kind of crazy, right? 
Oh, it is. Like, there's just so much going on that it's like, but but it's great. Like, all the cutscenes are are awesome, and it's so imaginative. I, I'm I'm totally just feeling like I'm gonna sell my soul to the series here. So, <laughs> do yes. it, Leron. What have you been playing with Power? Uh, so I actually dusted off like a couple of games I kind of neglected over a while, and they've all been on the Switch actually. So that's that's <laughs> wow. that's a wow. Write this down, everybody. Yeah, like um, like I like I picked up I picked up both Hades and Forgone, you know. <gasps> yes. Uh, oh, Forgone. Tell me about Forgone. Oh God, Forgone. Forgone is so amazing. You know what? It's so good. And you know what? Well, the cool thing is, I'm kind of glad I picked those games up because those are those are the games I I took a long break from, and I I got back into it, and I was like, oh man, it's like I didn't even forget what I was doing and stuff like that. I can't say that. I can't say that when I get back on Horizon Zero Dawn, I will be starting that over for the fourth time because <laughs> because it's like what the hell was I doing and stuff like that. But but not nah, Forgone. Oh my God, like I. I forgot how refreshing like just the combat system is on that. You know, yeah. basically, you know, basically it's it, it it it's it's rogue, but you know, like you don't get you don't get crushingly defeated every time you die, just oh, like in Hades and stuff it's like a that. Rogue-like. Oh no! You ruined Corey? it for me, Corey. You ruined it for me. Okay. Oh, you know what? That's fine. But but I will say this: like, give that game a chance, actually, because it's actually it's actually fun. It, it's very it fun. Is. It's it's yeah. not one. It's not one of those games where you're gonna hate yourself every time you die and stuff like that. You may get a little. You may get a little peeve, but it's like, okay, I gotta get back in this. Kind of like with Hades. Like I, I want to say, like Hades and Forgone have so much in common, but they're such different games that it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's weird. And same thing. Like I like I picked up. I I messed around a couple. I was in bed, and Hades is the game I play in bed. <laughs> so, so it's not a bedtime game. <laughs> oh, it is for me. It is for me when the, when, when the lights are stressful. <laughs> I will say I'm buying it for Series X, uh, cause I love that box. I love that green with that uh cover of Hades. I'm like, oh, this looks so good. So I'm double dipping on Series X, but it's such so, good. So, Laurent, have you have you escaped Hades yet? Oh God, no, no. It's gonna take. It's gonna take. <laughs> It's gonna take me a while to do that because, like, it took me, it took me like seven attempts to fight to beat that first, uh, beat the first, uh, uh, it's not Megara. It's not, yeah, it's not a Valkyrie. Where, where, where are they? I'm thinking God of War when I say Valkyrie, but what? No, uh, it's it's Meg, the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and then you uh, fight her sisters after that. Yeah, it like, took, yeah, it took first. me like seven. It took me like seven tries, and the crazy part was like every time, I, every time I fought her, like you know, like it was like I was like I'm picking this up, I'm getting this and everything, and then something stupid would happen, <laughs> and you're dead. <laughs> the, the crazy thing about that was like I had the hardest time beating the third level bosses, mm-hmm. and after like the first or second time I beat them, I just like was getting through them every single time. Like that's kind of just what happened in I, every, every round I played except the second one, the second boss I beat every time. You know what? I honestly feel like a lot of games are like that because like returnal, like a lot of people who've been playing returnal say like, mm-hmm. you know, like when they, when they fight the repeats of, of those creatures again and stuff like that, it's so much easier and stuff like that. And I think that's, I think that's the thing about it. Like your, your first attempt at it is always going to be the hardest one, but, but it's, it's, it's got that difficulty jacked up on purpose. So like when you see it again, you know, all of a sudden it feels rewarding that you beat it, you know, in X amount of time versus however long it took you the first time. It feels rewarding every time too. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. You learn the patterns and you probably have a better weapon. Um, Oh yeah, well that that too, and also and also honestly, it just feels like they don't. It it also feels like they don't slap you as hard. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, awesome. So happy uh, for you uh, playing for going to Hades. Course, oh, of course, I was playing Monster Hunter Stories too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, you know, the one thing I will say about that is I really hate, I really hate that Capcom released this three, not even three months after Rise, because, because I, everyone. Everyone knows that whenever they see my status up on on Switch, like they knew I was playing Rise. There was no other game like I was playing. You know, like someone caught me playing. Someone caught me playing Forgone, and they and they immediately like a friend of mine like on Twitter saw me playing Forgone, and he actually DM'd me <laughs> like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but beyond that, like I mean, like I was playing Rise so strong yep. until until that damn trial version of Stories Two came out, and then it was like, I was like, oh, um. No, I love how you how how you trust it. Uh, I'll give it a try too. Like I love this game. <laughs> Wait, what? What now? Where you was just like, uh, I'll try this game on Switch. Let's see how it goes. And then no, you just no, no, like, there I was, love this. No, there no, there was no, there was no. I'll give this a try. Like it's stories. It's 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 a Monster Hunter title. Like I mean, you could give me the most garbage Monster Hunter game, except for that one on the PSP that was like all that was like all nothing but palicos. Like that's the only one I never played. That is the only one. <laughs> wow. Well, well, Corey, what have you been playing with Power? Uh, I I've been playing Mario Golf uh before bed just to get some sort of gaming in. Uh, I've been playing and also Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Smash also. Uh, my nephews are kind of getting to that age where they want to play Smash, so we've they've been playing uh with they've been coming over and playing a little bit. Uh. That's kind of it. You know, Mario Golf is just kind of relaxing uh, before bed. It's It's been kind of a stressful couple weeks, so uh, it's been nice to just kind of wind down with, uh, you know, some nine holes or, you know, 18 or whatever. So uh, it's it's really fun, though. Like, I, I, get, I get some of the criticisms of the game, but I'm going to be honest with you, I really don't care. It's really fun. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's a blast. I love it. Um, by the way, just a quick shout out. I played with uh, Auditor four fifteen and Stephanie from our Discord on Saturday night. We played a lot of Mario Golf, so that was fun as well. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to get on and play. I just I mean kids kids. <laughs> kids. Uh, I I need to take that game out the uh package and put it in my switch. I apologize. I who oh, goodness. Google it. It's fun, man. It's yeah. just like relaxing, and it's it's a really good golf game, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, uh, like Dan playing Monster Hunter Stories two along with Corey and uh, Leron, but also playing Cross Code. I think I'm finally about to get into the second dungeon uh, with it. Just once again doing those side games. Played a little bit more of Inbento. Um, you know, it's a puzzle game where you making uh, sushi dishes and everything in vessel boxes, and you gotta kind of uh, figure it out and like match the puzzle picture. Um, really good. Um, <laughs> just like Corey, I bought Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate Edition on Switch, uh, and uh, play Street Fighter uh, Alpha Three. Man, I love that game, but I still love Dirt Strike better. But I was playing, and I'm just like, I. I love this game. I want to go back through the Street Fighter series and kind of talk about it uh, uh, and try to actually beat the first one because I never got to beat Street Fighter 1. But I beat it almost all of them besides 4 or 5 because I didn't play them. Uh, but that's pretty much what I've been playing with Power along with uh, Bloodstain. Um, 
and everything. So uh, that's uh, going to be it for the show, everybody. Um, we're going to quickly get into some plugs. Uh, LeBron, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on social media at Exodus803, E-X-O-D-U-S-803. Also, just rem- just remember, that's my Twitch channel, where you can ca- find me and Austin Campbell on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Crossroads PlayStation Podcast. Uh, also, uh, that's my YouTube channel, so you can catch all the recaps and some of my and some of my hits and misses when I'm streaming video games <laughs> over there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Exodus803 is also my gamer tag, so PlayStation Network, uh, Xbox Live, uh, Steam, all that, all those places uh you can find you can find me just using those credentials yes and everybody also check out exodus 803 for our set of play recap um we had which a, a discussion which I, oh, go ahead. which I found out got a copyright claim <laughs> it did i just oh, i just i just found out like yeah i got a copyright claim uh for and it actually showed me where it got the copyright claim in would you believe it was during the the demon slayer stuff no way! Oh wow! Yeah, Were you I showing guess, the video during your? I was, I was showing, I was, I was showing recaps of the trailers. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why we didn't like when we were doing our E3 stuff. That's why we didn't have the presentation going during our. Mm-hmm. Recaps is because of oh, well, that's that's what I get for trying to be fancy and put some production value into it. I I, I, I got it next time. I, I you got you you kill it with the production quality. On, I um, I I try my best. That's okay though. That's okay. I got I. You know what I'll do? I'll play it backwards next time. That's, how, you, that's how you that's how you get around that stuff. When yeah. you guys did that Uncharted episode, that was amazing. Oh, that was so cool. I love that. You guys got to check out when Leron does does his uh, live shows on Crossroads. Yes, and uh, along everybody also got the recap up there, written recap, so you guys can watch, uh, check that on Boss Rush Games. Uh, but uh, Dan, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at dcdm99, and you can find all my articles on www.bossrushgames.com. Yes, uh, Corey, where can we find you? You can find me at I am HD on Twitter. You can find me hosting uh, Boss Rush podcasts and Tower Casuals uh, also. Yes, you guys can find David at David Laxby on Twitter and also find him at Zelda Dungeon and at Boss Rush Network. Uh, he is our editor-in-chief for the writing uh, community, so you can check that out there also. You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can check out uh, Nintendo Poblock, like I said, every Monday. Check out World War One Podcast on Poblock.com and Optional Opinion on SoundCloud and other podcast apps. Um, and if you guys want to find me on Switch, you can come to uh, at that retro code on my Twitter page. My number is there. And yeah, join us on uh, Discord, everybody. But that's going to be it for the show. Thank you, Deron, for joining us on this oh, episode. Um, everybody, yes, everybody, check out uh, Crossroads at um, Exodus803 on his YouTube page and on his Twitch page. They go at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. With that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on Nintendo Pop Block. Bye, everybody. Woo-hoo! See ya.